my name is John Paul, and this is my beautiful wife, Renee. We'll be married for six years this September, and we've been together for 11 years total. We're also expecting our first child in September, a baby boy. <laughs> I was born in Trinidad, the southernmost island in the Caribbean, right off the coast of Venezuela. I'm the youngest of four, and I have an identical twin brother. My parents got divorced when I was about five years old, and I spent my childhood with shared custody between my parents. I was raised Catholic and was baptized as a baby, made First Communion when I was seven, and did Confirmation at 14. Even though I wasn't forced to go to church, I still went on my own. I had head knowledge of Jesus, but no real relationship with him. During high school, I drank, partied with my friends, and crossed sexual boundaries with a longtime girlfriend. I had no understanding of how I was to live a life with God at the center. My, my life revolved around seeking my own pleasure and comfort. After completing high school in Trinidad, I moved to Dallas to attend college. I grew up Muslim with a father, mother, and three younger siblings that did not actively practice our faith. While I didn't question if I was loved, there were times love felt conditional. If I performed well or behaved, things were fine. If not, gifts were taken away as punishment, often without explanation. I knew the list of behaviors that were bad and unacceptable, but didn't always understand the why behind them. I tried hard to follow the laws of Islam in order to ultimately earn my way to heaven, only to fall into bouts of depression when I inevitably failed. I found a secret outlet for exploring my sexuality with a girlfriend, which continued my cycle of guilt and shame. The summer after I graduated high school, I decided I was going to live life my way. My first sexual experience with a boy resulted in rape. I can vividly remember the thoughts that ran through my head in that moment. You're worthless. No one will want you now. Damaged. Might as well continue. I didn't recognize it as rape at the time, and I told no one, internalizing it. My worth and my value began to unravel. Um, I began smoking and drinking, and that fall I began community college at Richland, where I met John Paul. My first thoughts of Renee were that she was off limits because she was dressed in full Islamic attire. After a few weeks of her asking to hang out with me, I finally agreed. Our relationship progressed very quickly, and we were soon spending every spare moment together. Within months, her parents found out about us, and things escalated quickly. We're just babies. <laughs> um, since I was not allowed to date, I was ultimately given an ultimatum. Break up with John Paul or leave home. It wasn't an easy decision, but if I chose to stay at home, my lifestyle would have been severely restricted after breaking my parents' trust. John Paul's mom agreed to take me in, where we lived with his family for several months until we could get our own place. The first couple of years of our relationship were a roller coaster with extreme highs and lows. We loved each other well, but we did not know how to resolve conflict well. Between pornography and chasing sexual gratification through what was portrayed by our generation's culture, we made the decision to introduce others into our bedroom. Consumed by seeking our own pleasure, we could not anticipate the destruction this would have on us. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. As we continued in our relationship, we bypassed red flags and chose to overlook them, eventually leading to us getting married at our five-year mark. Our first few months of marriage were extremely difficult. I found that we were spending the least amount of time together than we ever had. My heart became bitter, and I spent evenings alone while Renee choose to, chose to work long hours. 
At eight months into our marriage, I confronted Renee about her secretive behavior and demanded answers. Feeling trapped and caught in a web of lies, I gave John Paul partial truths to try and appease him. I confessed to one act of infidelity, which led him to separating from me. The following months were a downward spiral of alcohol and drug abuse, unemployment, and promiscuity. I quickly lost the will to live, and seeing my continued destructive behavior, John Paul lost the will to fight for our marriage. This led to him filling out divorce papers and setting a date to file them the following Friday. The week before that, one of my few friends, few remaining friends who did not know my current situation, told me that she could see I was hurting and that I would be joining her at church that Sunday. I agreed, knowing that my decisions were not leading me to the life that I would have wanted, so why not? I heard the gospel for the first time, and I felt so loved by the people around me that I returned Monday for regeneration, a biblical 12-step recovery program. I had never heard people speak, speak so openly about the things that they had done and the things that were done to them. I was intrigued, and I found myself back at church Tuesday for the porch, Watermark's Young Adults Ministry. The life lessons I heard shared from the stage were mind-blowing. I heard about re-engage the following day and decided to give it a go. I let John Paul know, and to my surprise, he showed up. During our separation, I had minimal contact with Renee. I saw that her behavior wasn't going to change, and divorce seemed like my only way out of this terrible situation. For the first time in a long time, I prayed to God for him to show me the path I needed to take and the courage to take it. Jeremiah 29.13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. To my surprise, Renee let me know about a marriage thing at a church I'd never heard of. With our proposed date to file divorce papers only a few days away, I decided to attend this marriage thing just so that I could say that I had tried everything before throwing in the towel. I grew up attending a small Catholic church in Trinidad, so I was blown away by the size of the Watermark campus when I showed up that Wednesday evening. What blew me away even more was the warmth and welcoming attitude of everyone that I encountered and the vulnerability of the couple openly sharing their story on stage. I was nervous walking into re-engage for the first time and sat in the back. My heart was hard towards Renee and I couldn't even look her in the eye. Even though I couldn't stand her at that point in time, hearing the testimony gave me a small glimmer of hope. When asked to rate our marriage on a scale from one to 10, I said negative two. We both decided to commit to this program in a final attempt to stay married, and we postponed filling out our divorce papers. I began attending Watermark four days a week, learning so much about Jesus and replacing my preconceived notions of Christianity. Regeneration helped me understand my internal struggles and re-engaged shed light on how they manifested in my marriage. While I had yet to accept Christ as my savior, I felt this strong pull towards the healing others had found in these recovery circles, and I desired it as well. I found myself praying that God would just reveal himself to me. He began using his people to do just that. The two months we spent in open group hearing others share their struggles and learning how to share ours began preparing us to be vulnerable and transparent when we got placed into a closed group. Together, we learned about expectations, communication, conflict resolution, and forgiveness. I had anxiety as we approached the lessons on forgiveness because I had yet to be fully honest with John Paul. I was confident that if he knew all of my junk, he would leave me and our marriage would be over. It wasn't until I fully understand, it wasn't until I fully understood God's unconditional love for me and the free gift of grace that I felt the confidence in Jesus to confess 
fully, regardless of the consequences. While confession was extremely difficult, trying to control every situation on my own was harder. There was a relief in surrendering the outcome to God. Proverbs 28.13 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. We had gotten to the step of forgiveness, and I couldn't bring myself to forgive Renee because there were still so many unknown things that she had yet to confess. I couldn't forgive what I didn't know, and my mind tends to think in worst-case scenarios. I couldn't see us moving forward until all the cards were on the table. Over the course of a few weeks, the men in my re-engage group encouraged me to create a safe environment for Renee to confess. I understood that she would not feel comfortable to share with me the secrets that consumed her if I was unable to make her feel like she could. I thought back to my own relationship with God. Did I feel like I could confess anything to him? Would he love me more or less based on my confession and rebellion? That's when head knowledge started to become heart knowledge. I understood my need for God's forgiveness. I knew my own heart and how rotten it was, regardless if my friends and family thought I was good. Psalm 139, 23-24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I prayed for God to soften my heart and for me to be able to forgive my wife the same way that he had forgiven me. It wasn't easy hearing all those hurtful things that Renee had to confess, but I know that God had given me the strength to endure it and to show his love through it. I'm the first to admit that I was as petty as they come. I would not have been able to truly forgive Renee without the Spirit acting in me. I had heard so many times from friends and family that a relationship was unsalvageable after infidelity that I began to believe that this was an impossible task for me as well. I had to fight the lie daily that it would just be easier to start over with someone else. This only became possible when I stopped relying on my own strength and wisdom and surrendered to God. We were strongly encouraged by our leaders to move back in together after living apart for several months. Rebuilding trust and learning to love each other again was a slow process, but became easier as we progressed through the curriculum and put our lessons into practice. As part of our re-engaged graduation commencement, we had the opportunity to rip up the divorce papers we had filled out. It was a lot of paper. (laughs) (laughs) Completing re-engage did not magically fix all the problems in our marriage. We still reverted to old habits and fought unfairly at times. We had been taught and re-engaged to close all exit doors. Because it took us longer to close the door fully on divorce, our building of oneness was hindered. Once divorce was no longer an option, we were forced to address issues head-on and actively work on our emotional intimacy. The last four years have been a a practice of putting Christ first and each other second. I have had to learn how to keep short accounts and become a student of John Paul. There were times that I feared that my desires for attention and finding my worth in others would never change and that I'd still want to get high and party. I'm so grateful to find that when I sought to know God and his word, the wants of my heart changed. Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors there is safety. Formal and informal community has played a large part in our recovery. They point us to God's truth when we doubt, and they remind us of what we have said is important when we waver. And the women in my life remind me that my value and my worth is found in Christ. 
and redirect me to my purpose when I get sidetracked. One of my main takeaways in Reengage was humility. Prior to attending, I considered myself to be humble because I didn't bring attention to or brag about myself. However, I thought about myself constantly and how the outcome of any situation would affect me. I spent more time thinking about myself than anyone else. I was my own idol. I quickly learned that I was prideful and this looked like me trying to white knuckle my way through life, relying on myself. I took pride in being able to win any argument with Renee. I would keep put downs handy and remember mess ups like ammunition in a gun, locked and loaded, ready to fire back whenever needed. I was selfish and thought mostly about my own comfort, desires, and expectations. It took a long time for me to own my part in the mess that we had found ourselves in. I had a log in my eye and could only see Renee's infidelity as the primary wrongdoing that got us where we were. I slowly began to understand that I was a terrible leader. I did nothing to lead my wife well and in a godly way. My words tore her down more than they built her up. There was a fear of what our friends and family would think of our decision to reconcile, as well as a fear of failure. Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. We tried to manage our marriage on our own, and we failed miserably. It was only after putting Christ at the center of our marriage that we found healing. Rebuilding a trusting relationship with our friends and family took time. Thankfully, they have come to accept our decision and support us fully. In fact, our relationships have never been better. We hope that our relationship can be an example of Christ's love for us in action. The ironic thing is that five years ago, when I first walked into this room and sat in the back row, unsure of what my future held, I listened to the testimony and thought to myself, I'll never be one of those people on stage sharing their junk with everyone. Yeah. But I've seen how God has used our story to encourage others, and it's given me the boldness to share as a means to make Christ known. I've grown in my faith tremendously since first walking through these doors. Bible studies, a year-long discipleship with godly men, and regeneration have helped me develop an intimate relationship with God that I had desperately been lacking. I still struggle and don't always love my, my, my wife well, but I am surrounded by a community of believers to help shepherd me when I stray. Our hope tonight is that if you take away anything, it would be that you uh, to not give up on your marriage. Put your pride aside and put God at the center. He's in the business of restoring brokenness and making messes beautiful. Exodus 14.14 14 says, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. There is no hurdle too formidable to God to ha- for God to handle. Thank you. <laughs>